What up? What up, everybody? I'm back. Hello. Welcome to another Raw Roundup. Oh, it has been a wild week for me. I'm so happy to be back in my office, but man, did I have an amazing time in San Antonio for the Royal Rumble. First and foremost, got to give a huge thank you to all of you who are out there in San Antonio as well, who came up to me and said that you listen to this podcast or you listen to Add a Character, that you like my work. I appreciate it very much. I said it to you in person, but I'm saying it on the podcast again because it really makes me happy when you guys come up and say that stuff to me. So thank you to all of you who did that. Really, really uplifting. Really, really positive time in San Antonio. Can't believe that Add of Character was on SmackDown last week. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Ryan, your show's part of Fox Sports. Yes, I know, but we've been doing it for two years, and this is the first time that's happened. And man, it was freaking cool. Not cool that Sonya barged in on the interview. You'll see the whole thing this week on Wednesday. That's when the next episode of Out of Character drops and you'll get the first of a series of in-person interviews that were shot in San Antonio. And may I say, they look good. I think you guys are going to really like these interviews. Not only was it good stuff in the interview, but they just the shot itself. Whew, really happy with the whole design of it all. Really happy with how that turned out. This Wednesday, Charlotte Flair returns to Out of Character. And we talk about everything related to her time away from WWE and everything that she was doing in that time away. So if you like Charlotte Flair, I think you're going to want to watch that one. Also, shout out to my producer, Rhea, for helping me helping me with so much stuff out there. Like I said, the, the episodes out of character that you're going to see all look fantastic. And she had a huge part in making in, in making sure that happened and making sure the Bray Wyatt interview went out and making sure that all the post-match Royal Rumble interviews we did were handled appropriately. So massive shout out to her. She's an absolute rock star who has been helping this show very much. And yes, the Bray Wyatt interview. Guys, thank you so much for the positive words that you have said to me. About that interview, I was so nervous interviewing one of my favorite superstars. If you listen to this podcast, if you follow me on social media, you know I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. And talking to him like that, where it was in character-ish, but his current character is very much the, the closest it's ever been to who he is in real life as well. So I think that we actually got a glimpse into how he truly felt about a lot of different topics, and I was not expecting him to get that uh, in-depth with me. I, I really, really didn't. I could have done that for another hour. Hopefully, we can get him on Out of Character sometime in the near future. He did tell me after we did the, the shorter interview that he'd love to do Out of Character sometime. So maybe we can make that happen. We will see. But for now, I'm really happy with how that interview turned out. One of my favorite interviews that I've done here at Fox so I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Now, you didn't come here to listen to me giving all these thank yous and wrap-ups and, and whatever. You came here to listen to me talk about wrestling. That's what I'm going to do on this Roundup show. And since I didn't do a Roundup on the Royal Rumble because I was out in the field, I was at that press conference after the Royal Rumble, and then I was 
traveling back home, so I didn't have time to do a Royal Rumble roundup, but I'll give you some of my thoughts about some of the things that happened, at least, you know, if something uh, on Monday Night Raw this week triggers a thought about that. And the first of which is Cody Rhodes coming out first. That's how the show started, and so I'll talk about that real quick. Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble. If you didn't see it, I interviewed him moments after the match. The video is on WWE on Fox. You should go check it out. It's a good conversation for five minutes, but it's really cool seeing him just moments after relishing in his big victory. So go make sure you check that out. As for my thoughts on him winning the match, I'll get to that in one second. I'll get to that in one second because it it pertains to his whole promo in the beginning, which was exactly what we knew he would be doing, and that was delivering a passionate promo about where he is at in his career. And it's so cool, man. Like, Cody Rhodes, I was someone when he left WWE. If you've been listening to my work that long, excuse me, if you've been listening to my work that long or watching me or, you know, consuming my content, I remember doing a podcast after he first left talking about how I felt like he could have been the guy. He could have been someone who was at the top. And since leaving, all he did was show that that was accurate, that the people who believed in him then were right. And now that he's back and he's got this character that's so perfect for him, I mean, I know it's just him, but he's just got himself. He knows who he is and what people want from his character, and it works perfectly uh, but you can really just relate to his whole story, you know, betting on yourself, believing in your abilities, and in the whole thing paying off. And now we're here at WrestleMania. Really enjoyed this promo where he tracked his career from the beginning to now by asking if he'd tell his young self about everything that happened to him along the way. He says he wouldn't. He then brought up his theme song and how in it he says wrestling has more than one royal family. And for that to be vindicated, he has to stand in front of another by taking on Roman Reigns and his bloodline. Now, I love this quote at the end where he said, At WrestleMania, undesirable has already become undeniable, but undeniable remains uncrowned. And on that night, it ends. At WrestleMania, pull up a chair, sit wherever the hell you want. On that night, somebody else is going to be eating or eating first. And after WrestleMania, you can be the tribal chief. You can be the head of the table. You can be the biggest superstar in the world. But one thing that Roman Reigns will not be is the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. Man, this was such a good promo. To wrap it all up, to give my thoughts on all of this, Cody Rhodes main eventing WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. I love it. I love it. As a pro wrestling fan, I think that if I you put all the business thoughts aside and what you think uh, you know might be happening from a booking standpoint or the rocks or stone colds or whatever i think for a long time what we all said was wrestlemania should be the top baby face and the top heel and i know some of you will say well that's sammy Zayn right now i get it that's a different story uh that that's that 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 was uh, an unexpected situation that arose but Still, they're going to work it out and make it not feel disappointing that everything's happening with Sami Zayn. So, Cody Rhodes is that top babyface. The most 
market. Let me say this. He's the most marketable babyface they have. Huge following. Started his own wrestling company. Was so successful he was able to leave it and come back to achieve his goal. Dusty Rhodes' son doing what Dusty Rhodes was unable to do. There's so many factors in this and it's perfect. It's perfect. From a pro wrestling standpoint, you want to see the top babyface, the guy that people are behind, taking down this unstoppable heel. Heels and faces. I know for a long time people said, oh, gray area this or gray area that. Don't like the gray area. I want clear-cut baby faces and heels, especially when you're going into WrestleMania. That way the crowd knows who to be cheering for, knows who to be booing for. You could tell a better story that way when there's a clear difference between the two. And right now, Roman Reigns is literally at the most hated he's ever been with the Sami Zayn stuff. A lot, for a while, people were finally cheering Roman Reigns because they were into this cool heel character. But the Sami Zayn story has now turned Roman Reigns into an absolute heel monster that the people are chanting F you Roman at, but not because they it's go away heat. It's because they actually are so invested in the story. And now we get Cody Rhodes coming in here, a guy who a lot of fans believed in then. Finally getting his chance to take down Roman Reigns and taking something that he wanted 10 years ago. This promo encapsulated all that so perfectly. And man, I am so hyped for Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. I think this story is going to be a chef's kiss. Triple H is already cooking Things are simmering. We haven't even heard from Roman yet. You know he's gonna go. Uh, he's gonna go nuclear when given the opportunity. This is gonna be good. There's gonna be a lot of wrestling history involved. Two huge wrestling families. Triple H trying to make a point with his very first WrestleMania that he's booking. Just mm, all of these factors together really have me hyped. And this promo was a good way to start off this feud. Start off this program. And it was smart, you know, Cody talked about how he has been mindful of saying Roman Reigns' name for a long time. So when he said it in this promo, you could feel the, the, the weight behind it of him finally basically calling Roman out. I shouldn't say basically, he did. He called Roman out here at the end. Oh, I can't wait to see what Roman has to say back. It's going to be good. But, oh, and one more thing um, with The Rock. I don't think it matters that The Rock wasn't there. Yeah, I know we talked about it on the, on the preview show that The Rock might be there. We talked about The Rock fitting into the Sami Zayn storyline. Some, you know, with Roman, it would be perfect to kind of, kind of have him fit in there some way and, and continue that on to WrestleMania. I, a piece of me still thinks we're going to see The Rock at WrestleMania and that it's going to be maybe a surprise, like Steve Austin did, because it does feel. Like, they're leaning into it too much now. They would have kept it... I don't know. I don't think they would have had Roman... They would. I guess they have no say over what they talk about on The Tonight Show with the, about The Rock. And, and Triple H, too. Like, the question that got asked in the press conference. You know, we weren't told what to ask. But both answers from both Triple H and Roman Reigns felt like they were calling The Rock out a little too much... For someone who has been so 
good to the company. It felt like they were calling him out too much for someone that they are trying to entice into being in the match. It felt like wrestler. Uh, it felt like you know one of those things that's going to be used to kind of show why The Rock said F it and came back anyways. So I don't know. I had this weird feeling like we're still going to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns as maybe even like a surprise match on night two or something, and it's just not advertised. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is just wishful thinking. But what I will say is I definitely think that Cody is going to be the one to dethrone Roman Reigns. He's the most marketable baby face in the company right now. T-shirts, you know, you can put him on the cover of the video game. Sell the, the action figures. He's a guy who you can put the company on his back. So I think it's perfect. Very good booking all around. I like the Royal Rumble match too. Um, you know, parts of it I didn't get to see because I was running around backstage to shoot those interviews. But I rewatched it today and I didn't mind the lack of surprises. I almost felt like it was pretty cool to have the current roster get the shine and get to tell their own story that revolved around who wants to go to WrestleMania, which is what the match is about, rather than it being a sideshow of all these old acts that you know are never going to actually go to WrestleMania. There were people missing from this match that 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 I was actually surprised about. You know, so it shows just how good the current roster is right now as it is. And maybe all these, you know, old legends who were clearly not going to go to WrestleMania uh, being the focus isn't necessary. We can tell a good story just like back in the day with the talent that is currently on the roster who are all insanely talented. So I liked it. And Gunther, man, what a star making showing from Gunther. Okay, I'll stop with the Royal Rumble talk. I'll get back to Monday Night Raw. So uh, Cody had that promo, and then Judgment Day appear to confront him. Dom said Cody ruined the Judgment Day's plan of Rhea and Dom both winning the Rumble. Priest said Dom should have been the multi-generational wrestler facing Roman at WrestleMania, not Cody. Uh, Cody interjects, asking if Dom is trying to scare him straight, and Dom says... He doesn't have any respect for any dads in the building, including Cody's. <laughs> the ultimate hater of dads, Dominic Mysterio. That line cracked me up how he has he doesn't have respect for any dads. Just no respect for the father role whatsoever. That's deep. Cody then challenges one of them to a match, and later it's confirmed that'll be again that it'll be against. Finn Balor. The segment appears to be over, but suddenly Edge runs out to attack, and backstage officials try to break things up as all hell breaks loose. We'll get we'll get to Judgment Day and Cody later in the show. There's more to talk about with them, but first, we had an amazing, amazing match between Seth Rollins and Chad Gable, a qualifier for the Elimination Chamber match that will be for the United States title this year. Now, there was a great sequence in this match where Gable hit a brutal-looking dragon screw whip out of the corner. He then tried a moonsault, but Seth moved out of the way and rolled him up, then lifted Gable up for a buckle bomb, and the cardio here was just insane. <laughs> he tried to pick up Gable, and you could see him struggling briefly for a second, and it was just like, oh, is he going to do it? 
But the strength that he had where he like held it for a second, kept kept his power in, and then shot up, I just went, whoa, that is some strength right there. That's all that CrossFit Jesus work right there from Seth Rollins. Gable also, sorry, didn't mean to have my phone on. Sorry, I thought I silenced it. Did I silence my computer? Oh, I didn't. That noise just made me silence the computer, so you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Gable also bridged up at one point in the match from a pin attempt and then hit an awesome cliffhanger DDT for a close near fall. Gable also held in an ankle lock for a long time later in the match. Seth tried to reverse it and hit the stomp, but Gable locked the ankle lock back in and when pushed out, it allowed Seth to hit the pedigree for the win. Fantastic action in this match. You know, when I was watching this, all I could think about was the fact that this is exactly why a secondary title is needed on Raw. Singles title for the men. The role the United States title used to serve. Why we need a world title back on Monday Night Raw. And that's because Chad Gable is so damn good. He's so damn good good and I fear that it's gonna take a lot for him to ever become a world champion and that's not I don't you know I don't know why that is necessarily um but I do I do feel like the only way to convince people that he might be worthy of a world title is to help hold a secondary title and I just don't know if he's going to get that focus of the show rub anytime soon. But if he held a secondary title, much like Gunther has held the IC title, if he was holding a secondary title on Monday Night Raw and just wrecking people kind of like Gunther is doing, I do think it, it, it would help raise his, his, you know, his standing in the company. Or on the roster, I should say. Because in the company, I'm sure he is looked at very highly. I'm not saying it's a knock on the way they're using him either. I just think that this is how you, a secondary title is how you convince the people who need convincing that someone is worthy of being a world champion. And when you watch a match like this, you just you just say to yourself, God, you know, I hate to compare him to someone else, but he really is so much like Kurt Angle. So much like Kurt Angle. Just can have an amazing match with anyone has the crowd in the palm of his hand, makes everything look effortless, so good. And, you know, Seth Rollins, I don't need to say all that about him because Seth Rollins, everyone knows that about him. He's going to win over every crowd. Seth Rollins is a former world champion. Seth Rollins has been to the top of the mountain. Chad Gable hasn't. And when you watch a match like this and you see that he can go toe-to-toe with Seth Rollins, it just makes me think that, man, if he had a secondary title to hold on to for a little bit, he would be an unstoppable force. Next, EO Sky with damage control versus Candice LeRae with Mia Yim. This was another match that went way harder than you would have expected. Not because these two don't have insanely good matches, but just it was like, you know, the Raw after Royal Rumble, you think we're maybe going to be in a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a dull period because it's the road to WrestleMania, but like, you know, everyone's tired from the Royal Rumble the night before. Maybe just kind of like 
an easygoing few matches, but that's not what this show was. This show had awesome action from beginning to end. So many good things happening in all of the matches. And this one just like, man, these two were kicking ass. Just so much action going back and forth throughout. It was all so impressive. Avalanche, German suplex, Poison Rana, an insane dive to the outside from EO. Uh, Candice attempted to do a top rope neck breaker, but EO pushed her off. EO then attempted a moonsault, but Candice got her knees up. Just so much action here, so much good, um, so just so much good story being told in the ring. You could see Candice really wanting to win. You could see it on her face that she wanted to get this win. You could see EO just doing her thing, being one of the best performers that she is. Man, really was into this match. Um, you know, the the people were talking about that cage match that that is now going to happen next week between Becky and and Candice. Excuse me, between Becky and, and Bailey. And uh, I, I saw Bailey was interviewed during SummerSlam weekend, and she said, like, I don't want people to think that that women's wrestling is going backwards at all from that. Like, stuff happens. And I saw some people being weird about that comment, but I don't think you could say women's wrestling has gone back at all. I mean, if you see what Triple H has done in just a short amount of time to really strengthen the women's divisions on both Raw and SmackDown, to really up their importance level, to make them a bigger part of the show, you can see that he has done that. And I'm not saying that women weren't a big part of the show under Vince or anything like that, but you can see that Triple H has definitely strengthened both divisions and has raised the important le- importance level of those divisions. And he's made them on par with the all the biggest stories that are happening on the show. They all feel very equal. And so we're getting even you know more impressive matches like this between women on the show for longer amounts of time and... I really like it. This was awesome. I'm a huge fan of Eosky. I'm a huge fan of Candice LeRae. So this was dope. Really good stuff. Felt like I was watching NXT of old. Damage Control and Meechin then started to fight on the outside. And a distraction from Bailey allowed Eo to get the pin on Candice. Good match. Really good stuff. I was wondering at the end. I saw Candice giving like a look to Mia Yim. And I can't tell if she thought that maybe Mia Yim wasn't being as helpful as she appeared also like what's up with indy hartwell we got her in the royal rumble let's just get her on raw now give me eo excuse me give me candace and give me indy hartwell they're a great tag team together they already have the chemistry let's do it pull that trigger she doesn't need to stay in 2.0 rhea ripley came out after that to announce who she'll be facing at wrestlemania she said three years ago she was NXT champion and challenged Charlotte Flair to a match at WrestleMania and got put in her place. And as the years went on, Charlotte only got better. And right now, she's the top of the pecking order in the WWE women's division. So at WrestleMania, I'm going to put you in your place, Charlotte Flair. I choose you. I like this. I like this. You know, <laughs> I remember... Back in 2020, when you know this, the Charlotte Flair and Charlotte uh, and Rhea Ripley stuff was going on, and and then I remember Triple H kind of. I, I remember saying like it all. There's all. There's a plan for everything. Like there's going to be a plan. Everybody just 
hold your horses. Just wait. I got this plan. I got this plan, and it's going to go accordingly. So just don't overreact yet. Wait till the story plays out. But the story did not play out, uh, and and COVID happened. Things happened. Uh, the story did not play out like everyone thought it would. There was never really the conclusion to this. And I know all the time I still see tweets where people are giving him crap for that as a joke. So now I think it's hilarious as we head into his first WrestleMania. He's vindicating the story that he wanted to do when they were originally feuding back in 2020. That's smart. I think that's cool. I think that, you know, even he said at the time that like not everything, you know, I think a little bit later he's he's since said that like, you know, not everything happens the way you expect, but I think that Rhea has grown as a performer since then and and things along those lines. And when you look at Rhea now, she really has grown into such a stronger performer than she was when she first was having those interactions with Charlotte Flair. You know, especially now that she's in this judgment day. I feel like this Judgment Day has absolutely helped her blossom into one of the top women in the entire company. People are all about Rhea Ripley. You see people, uh, even people in the company like Kathy Kelly and Dakota Kai uh, making fan TikToks, <laughs> showing how much of fans they are on TikTok uh, of Rhea Ripley. So... Um, Rhea Ripley is just awesome right now. She's 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 killer. So good. So I think that making the match Charlotte versus Rhea to play off of that to to fix what you know didn't happen in the original story he'd planned. I think it makes a lot of sense. You could tell that he wants to fix a lot of the things that he had tried to make happen, but then got thrown out of whack by somebody else's booking. You know, I feel like a lot of times in NXT, he was setting things up. You know, he was setting up the fact that, excuse me, he was serving up all of these different options to Vince. And Vince didn't typically take them. Vince wanted to do his own thing. And you can see that since Triple H has taken over the booking, uh, he's really trying to t take those meals that he had served up and, and, and make them happen now. And I think that doing this match does make a lot of sense. It does. As much as Rhea Ripley versus Bianca would have been cool as well, um, I do think that Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair is a marquee match. Plus, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it that Triple H's first WrestleMania that he's booking in two of the headlining matches he has the extremely talented children of men that he held in high regard as both wrestlers and mentors. The son of Dusty Rhodes, the daughter of Ric Flair. Of course, you know, he holds those guys in such high regard. And thankfully, they have children who are insanely talented and have earned those spots. But it's cool nonetheless. I also wonder in all of this, with Rhea choosing Charlotte Flair... We, we we know that there's an Elimination Chamber match, which we'll get to. We'll, we'll, I, it's revealed later in the show. There's going to be an Elimination Chamber match uh, for the women. And the women the, the winner of that match will face Bianca Belair at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's title. 
And I got to say, you'd think with Triple H and the way he's been trying to add more meaning to everything, Asuka was in this program where she was on the same side as Bianca. She was a baby face then. She goes away. She has this. She starts tweeting about how she's angry at the world. She returns as Kana. Well, she's still Asuka, but as her old, you know, her old self prior to WWE, where she's a bit more evil. And now that she's a heel, it would. I mean, if I'm just looking at everything, I would imagine that Asuka versus Bianca at WrestleMania has to be the plan. Because with Bianca Belair, she should just be getting fed the best heels possible and Hulk Hoganing her way through them. Bad comparison, but you know, the the how about this? John Cena in her way through everyone. And just you setting her up with a monster heel, she takes him down. Because Bianca Belair is an absolute superstar. This is someone that you can anchor any show's women's division to. She's so good. She speaks to the audience that watches people what she does resonates with the viewers all across the board she is a perfect baby face she's jacked she's a good role model she's she's a fantastic wrestler all of these things you go just keep setting her up with monster heels and you're going to make money if i'm looking at it from that perspective oscar as a heel at WrestleMania against Bianca Belair makes a ton of sense in my mind. Even if it's kind of close to the story that that Bianca Belair just had with Alexa Bliss, I still think this is the way to go. Asuka versus Bianca Belair. I'm super into that. Seth Rollins was interviewed by Kathy Kelly after that, and Kathy brings up Logan Paul eliminating him from the match, which makes Rollins visibly annoyed. And then he walks away. Um, Do you think that we might get Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania? Obviously, Logan Paul is going to be in a WrestleMania match. Seth Rollins doesn't seem to have a clear thing to do at WrestleMania right now. And if you want to put Rollins in a match that's going to get a ton of attention, I think you put him in a match with Logan Paul. Seth Rollins is one of the best rest, excuse me. Seth Rollins is one of the most consistent WrestleMania performers. I would love to see what he could cook up in the ring with Logan Paul. Logan Paul has proven that he can do interesting stuff in a wrestling ring. That he can fly, he can he can fight, he can entertain. We saw that massive spot where he and Ricochet collided at the Royal Rumble. People are actually impressed with what Logan Paul can do. So who better than to take him to his limit than a guy who's had some of the best WrestleMania matches in recent memory? I would like to see it. I think it would be a good match. Rollins versus Logan Paul at WrestleMania in Hollywood. Plus, the outfits that Seth's in. Logan Paul, he's wearing these flamboyant uh, ring gear. He's wearing flamboyant ring gear. I'm into it. Next up was Baron Corbin versus Johnny Gargano, an elimination chamber qualifier. Gargano was joined by Dexter Loomis. Corbin had JBL as usual. 
Gargano kicked out of the deep six. He also caused Corbin to run into the ring post and fall out of the ring, which allowed him to hit a big running dive through the ropes. JBL started freaking out, but Dexter got him in control with his axe. And then Gargano reversed the end of days into a pin to advance. I'm looking forward to seeing what Johnny Gargano can do in an elimination chamber match. And I gotta say, I don't know if I ever would have expected to say that sentence. I'm not sure. Because in a previous regime, I don't know if we would have seen him in there. But we all know, as well, I don't know if everyone listening to this watched the golden era of NXT. But if you did, you know that Johnny Gargano can have an epic match with when he's when he's got other talented people on the other side of the ring as him the guy can go the guy can bust out some amazing stories when you give him the opportunity inside of that squared circle and i can't wait to see what that man does with the elimination chamber at his disposal i bet you he's gonna have a lot of ideas and a lot of interesting things that he does in there i also feel like it's going to be a blast for him. Just knowing that the guy is a huge wrestling fan, I think he's going to do wonders in that match. No, I don't think he's going to win the United States title quite yet. But I could see a world where they set up Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory for the United States title at WrestleMania with this Elimination Chamber match. And then Johnny Gargano wins the United States title at WrestleMania. Because then there will be a secondary, it will become the secondary title again. And then, well, I say that because Cody's obviously going to beat Roman Reigns, right? <laughs> but that's what I think will happen. is Cody will beat Roman Reigns. The U.S. title becomes secondary again. And I could see Johnny Gargano being the United States champion for a little bit. I think it has to happen. I think that's something that will take him, you know, that 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 will give him an opportunity to see what he can actually do as a performer who is a champion on the main roster. Next, there was the VIP lounge with Theory, Theory Austin Theory. Theory says that he used to watch these as a kid, and now he's here to make it relevant again. After some back and forth, MVP asks where his head is at, uh, heading into the elimination chamber. Theory says he's the ruthless aggression this era needs and that he's already been through an elimination chamber having to face Brock inside of it. This leads this leads to MVP warning him that he doesn't know who he'll face inside the chamber. Could be someone like Bobby Lashley, and this gets Theory angry. He talks a bunch of crap, and Lashley comes out in gear to respond. MVP gets between them. Theory says to listen to his daddy, which sets Lashley off. Bobby goes on the attack, and Lashley prepares for a spear, but MVP picks him up to help. Uh, Theory drags him over, and Bobby hits the spear. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. I, let me reword that. I went through my sentence too fast while I was trying to think of what I was going to say after. Bobby goes on the attack, and Lashley prepares for a spear. MVP picks up Theory to help, but Theory drags him over, and Bobby hits the spear on his former manager. That sentence makes more sense now. Apologies. Um, I didn't love this segment. I don't know. I didn't love this segment. I don't know what it was. I don't really typically love talk show segments. 
I mean, it did what it needed to do. But these are two heels, both healing on each other, and and it was kind of hard to figure out whose side I was supposed to be on in watching this. But of course, Lashley coming out, I'm into. I don't think he's going to win the United States Championship. I just don't see Brock and Lashley needing the U.S. title for their program at WrestleMania. It just, I don't know. I just don't see it. I think it would help someone else's match much more. Bobby versus Brock already has big-time allure to it as it is. It doesn't need a belt to make it more important. So, yeah, I don't see that. But I did love the way Bobby Lashley eliminated Broccoli. Broccoli? <laughs> the way... God, this is what happens when I get no sleep after four days in a row. And I try to push myself to podcast. Please, nobody tell Brock Lesnar that I called him Broccoli by accident. Um, I love the way that Bobby Lashley eliminated Brock Lesnar from the Royal Rumble match. It was one of the few parts that I was out there on the floor for during the show. And I was hyped. They really just played that whole thing. That whole segment was played up perfectly between the Gunther and uh, Brock stare down and then Lashley's music hitting. Just, just I really, really thought they, they handled that whole portion of the match so well. Uh, sucks that it, it didn't allow Baron Corbin to get more time in the match because Brock Lesnar flipped out and then took it out on him. But I did think that the way they made Lashley look so strong there was fantastic. The Judgment Day respond to Edge's attack after this, and Balor says Cody has been stealing from him for years, so tonight he's coming to collect. Then after the commercial break, Miz is shown in the ring complaining about all the wrongdoings against him as of late. Adam Pearce comes up and says that lucky for him, there's been another man looking for an opportunity all night backstage, the newest member of the Raw roster, Rick Boogs. He then... Uh, tries to book a match between Miz and Rick Boogs, but Miz is offended at the thought of wrestling Boogs in a suit. Pierce makes it official anyways, though, and we get Rick Boogs versus The Miz. Boogs wins this one with a gorilla press uh, front slam. Uh, You know, I see so much potential in Rick Boogs. I think Rick Boogs could be a future world champion. You guys might scoff at that, but I think that the amount of charisma that guy has is off the charts. The strength that he possesses is insane. He's got so much electricity flowing within him, brimming with excitement and charisma. The guy has so much potential as a top talent. I'm just going to say it. Now, I realize he's not there yet. He's got to get more experience. He's got to get more time working with other wrestlers. But I do think that there is a ton of potential there. So that's why I say this next part. (sighs) To me, what he was doing on SmackDown with Nakamura was massively over at the time. So over. And I realize that Triple H is most likely looking to restore Nakamura to his former glory. 
make him less of a silly character and make him more serious again. Make him like he was in NXT. I understand that. But the guitar entrance was pretty awesome. I do think that he'd still be a babyface, Nakamura, and there's no reason to take away that that huge, I shouldn't say huge, but that, that, that overact from him. They were over together. The Pat thing, people loved it. People were enjoying their entrance together. It was awesome. I've seen it live. I enjoyed it. It was super fun. And I think that it would have helped him to continue to sit under the learning tree of Shinsuke Nakamura for a little bit and continue to gain more experience. Because what he was doing here on Raw this this week, it reminded me more of what he did in NXT when he was doing the Boogs Cruise stuff. And as much as people enjoyed that, it wasn't very over. It wasn't as over as what Boogs and Nakamura were doing together. So... I hate to be down on the return of Rick Boogs because I am so freaking stoked that he is back. Like I said, huge fan of the guy. I just don't know if I think that making him warrior without the face paint is the way to do it. Especially when he was already so over in what he had been doing before. Next, Alpha Academy are shown walking backstage when we see maximum male models in the corner looking at Otis. Masse and Mansois seem grossed out, but Maxine says that he's perfect. That's all we got. Got a little brief tease on what's happening there. Happy to see Maximum Male Models getting an opportunity with a storyline on TV. Those videos they were doing online were so funny, so entertaining. I've talked about it on this podcast before, so it's nice to see that the work they did to get themselves over online paid off, and now they're going to get some kind of story on TV. Bummed out, it's not going to be on SmackDown, but happy to see that Mace, Mansois, and Maxine are now officially on the Raw roster and in a story, it would appear. Now, after that, uh, we had a recap of Sami Zayn turning on Roman Reigns and Jey Uso being unable to join in on the Bloodlines beatdown. So let's talk about this. I didn't do a Royal Rumble roundup. This was perfect. This was absolute, like, just, just the kind of thing that you hope for as a wrestling fan, the kind of thing that you want to see that only comes around once every, what, decade, something like that, just a story that pops up that connects with everybody, that gets the crowd so heavily invested that makes them want to see something happen so badly. And that was what happened in in Sami Zayn finally turning on Roman Reigns. First off, let me say this. I told you so. I told you all that Sami Zayn was going to be the one to turn. I told you all that Sami Zayn was going to be the one to turn to help Kevin Owens, and it's exactly what happened. So you're welcome for that. For those of you who doubted me when you were listening, uh, patting myself on the back, Barry Horowitz style over here. But what I really enjoyed most about it was the fact that, well, just obviously the, the long-term storytelling. I mean, if you look, there was two years worth of story being told here. 
going back to Jey Uso at Hell in a Cell. Because, you know, you have Jey Uso at Hell in a Cell. He has to, you know, turn himself over to the bloodline in order to save his brother. He didn't want to. It was emotional. But he did it anyway. Then along the way, they become this dominant faction. Jey has to just go along with it, even though his brother has bought into it much more the whole time. Jay is angry because of it. He's getting made fun of by the two older cousins, his brother and his older cousin. Doesn't like it. They don't listen to him. They make him feel small. He doesn't feel like main event Jay Uso. Then enter Sami Zayn. He doesn't want Sami Zayn to have the same thing happen to him. He doesn't trust him. Doesn't want someone who's not in his bloodline being in the bloodline. But Sami Zayn continually shows him that joy can still be had. And he was trustworthy. That's what Sami Zayn continually showed until finally, until finally, he turned on Kevin Owens to help the bloodline. But that still wasn't enough. And Kevin made Sami realize that it was never going to be enough and that he was being used. So Jey Uso watches Sami Zayn finally take matters into his own hands and hit Roman Reigns with the chair. So that's why when everyone dog, you know, just dog piles on top of Sami Zayn to beat him up afterwards, Roman's screaming, I gave you everything. Kevin is helpless and Jey Uso watches on. He can't do anything about it. He can't. He's frozen because he realizes that it's the exact same place that he was in in 2020 and Sami Zayn took a different route. That's where we're at right now. That's why Jey Uso says, I'm out. Says, run it back between him and Roman. He wants to do himself what he just saw Sami Zayn do. He saw himself in Sami Zayn. And that's why this whole storyline was so beautiful. Oh, that's like a real script right there. Like That's like a real beautiful, intense, dramatic story being told. When you were watching this, you couldn't help but yell at your TV, hit him with the chair, hit him with the chair. That's what you want. You want to be yelling at your TV. You want to be cheering for the good guy. I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved this segment so much that I was in a room backstage watching it because I was going to have to do the press conference right afterwards. And I forgot the press conference was going to take place right behind me in the room that was connected to the room that I was in and I was just loudly cheering at the TV the whole time and then when I was when it was over I turned around and the media had already been seated inside the room and I was still cheering at the TV <laughs> but it was worth it oh so good I hope you guys enjoyed it I know you did if you're listening to this podcast I know you did because the only people who didn't like it are people who don't have good taste. Sorry. Okay, moving on. Bailey came out after this to continue to say that she's done with Becky Lynch. This, of course, prompts an entrance from Becky Lynch, who says they're not done until she says they're done, and that Bailey is dodging her because she doesn't want people to see that she's not as good as Becky. Um, Becky, excuse me. Bailey responds back saying, "I know you, and I don't like you, Rebecca." I think you're overrated. You're not good enough for all of this. You're not good enough to be champion again. You're not good enough to be in the ring with me one-on-one. 
You're not even good enough for your husband, Seth freaking Rollins. The only reason he married you is because he knocked you up. Brutal. Becky uh, responds, surprised, saying all the time she thought they were fighting over wrestling. But whatever this bitterness she has towards her actually started in NXT. So let's end this where we began in Orlando next week in a steel cage match that was supposed to happen at Raw 30. Becky tries to make this happen, but Bailey says no. So Becky drags Dakota Kai out from the back with her leg wrapped in a chair and, th- and threatens to hit Dakota over the head with it next. So Bailey accepts the challenge. Cage match next week. We're getting the cage match that didn't happen. Good. I wanted that match. Good. I'm glad we're going back there. Like I said earlier, we're getting the Women's Elimination Chamber match. Uh, the winner will challenge Bianca for the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania. Pierce makes this announcement. The confirmed competitors so far, like I said, Asuka and then Raquel Rodriguez, Liv Morgan, and Nikki Cross, since they were at the end of the Royal Rumble. And that next week, we'll get a fatal four-way for a spot in the match. Meechin versus Candice LeRae versus Piper Niven versus Carmella. Ah. Oh. How good is it to call her Piper Niven again? No more dewdrop. Good. Lastly, Chelsea Green appears here asking if Adam is the manager and complains about the unacceptable conditions she's been given tonight. Going full Karen with this new character. Fun stuff from Chelsea Green, who is a really talented person who honestly probably, you know, who honestly never should have been released in the first place. Never really got the chance. Never really got to do anything in the on the main roster of, of substance. And now she gets to do that. And I think that she's going to really shine in this role. She's super funny when she wants to be. She can go in the ring. Good stuff from Chelsea Green. I'm excited to see where all this goes. Dolph Ziggler versus Bronson Reed after that. Elimination Chamber qualifier. Dolph hits the zigzag, but Reed kicked out. Ziggler went for a fame-asser, but Reed reversed it into a powerbomb and hit a splash from the top rope to win. Big win for Bronson Reed. But I gotta say, we need some more character development for the guy. We need some more. You can't. I don't think that a big win is as big if there's not as much meaning behind it. And by that, I mean, yes, there was... A, there was it's an elimination chamber qualifier. Yes, he's getting the opportunity to be in a big match. But why should we care about this guy being in a big match? Now, I'm not saying that like I don't because I do. I'm a big. I'm a fan of his. I'm a huge wrestling fan. But purely from just my critique standpoint, I would go. We really haven't been given a ton of reason to care about Bronson Reed. Initially, he came in as a bad guy, but. Are we still supposed to see him as a bad guy? I don't know. We haven't really been given a lot with him. We don't know. And I don't know if putting him in a match and put it, uh, that's of this caliber that quickly is the way to go. Yes, he's going to impress in that match. Yes, I'm going to enjoy it. But I do think that hopefully before we get there, there's a little bit more character development for Bronson Reed. Because if you didn't watch NXT... You don't really know anything about this guy. And if you did watch NXT, he's not really being positioned in the same way that he was in NXT. Something's changed. Tell us what changed. Tell us what's different. Tell us who Bronson Reed is. After that, Carmella is interviewed 
about her return, about her uh, impending return. Um, and she uh, gets approached by Asuka, who is all flossy looking now, got fancy clothes on, sunglasses, gloves, looking real cool, looking looking real slick. But then Carmella says she's not scared of Asuka. And as she says that, Asuka in her fancy clothes begins oozing green out of her mouth and smiling. And Carmella gets freaked out, then walks away. Next, Rick Boog celebrates his return with the Street Profits and Elias backstage. Boogs tells Byron that being back in front of the WWE Universe is electric. Elias seems unimpressed the whole time. Byron reveals that Dawkins and Priest will be in an Elimination Chamber qualifier next week, as well as Elias and Montez Ford, and then all three bicker about who's going to win the United States title. I, are we at the end of Street Profits? It kind of like is one of those things where it kind of always gets brought up. I don't know. We're going to have to see how that one plays out, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on if we're if we might possibly be at the end of Street Profits and at the on the cusp of, of both of them doing singles. I think it might be time. Both of them are so good. I I and I don't know if, you know, I just I just think that it might be the time for them to start doing singles without breaking the team up. Just let them both start doing singles competition. I think it makes sense. Next Finally, main event, Cody Rhodes versus Finn Balor. Cody went for that drop-down punch, but Finn reversed it and stomped his peck. Cody later hit a disaster kick to Finn, who was on the apron, and then a running dive through the ropes. Judgment Day tried to attack while he was outside the ring, but Cody took them all out and continued to bring the heat to Finn. Cody went for the Cody cutter, but Balor saw it coming and reversed it. And after the break, Cody landed it successfully, yet it still wasn't enough to put Balor away. The Judgment Day began to circle around Cody at ringside, and Edge came through the crowd to take out Dom and Priest. Rhea Ripley attacked Edge, but then Beth Phoenix ran out to hit a spear on Ripley. This distraction allowed Cody to hit three consecutive crossroads on Balor to get the win. Good main event here. It's just nice to see Cody back. So nice to see Cody back. I enjoyed him being in the Rumble. But I did feel as though Raw, for a long time, has has, has been missing that number one babyface. Seth Rollins is a tweener. Bobby Lashley's kind of a tweener. Theory's a heel. You know, Judgment Day is there. But I do believe you need that anchor. The person the show is about, and it's, you know, the person the show revolves around, the person at the top, and I do believe that that's Cody right now. As much as Seth Rollins held things up while that while Cody was gone, I do ultimately believe that this character that he's playing right now is better as the heel. And I don't know if he has enough baby faces to have the show center around him. When a show is centered around one person at the top, you need a bunch of different people 
who could potentially go against them. And there are a lot of heels at the top of the show right now and not enough baby faces. So having a clear-cut baby face in a match, in the main event, someone that is universally liked, I shouldn't say universally liked, I guess. Some people are going to probably be like, oh, I'm not universally liked. Someone who is a beloved baby face at the top of the card. That's better. A beloved baby face at the top of the card. It makes the show feel more whole to me. And so I really enjoyed this match. It was a well-wrestled main event. I think that you can keep, much like I talked about earlier with Cena and Bianca, of just having a baby face that you keep feeding heels to. That's what Cody can be. Cody is that guy when you want to, when you put the title on him, he will be that guy. And you can see that from this match. You can see that, you know, he can have a feud with Finn Balor. He can have a feud with Bobby Lashley. He can have a feud with Theory. He can have another feud with Rollins. Um, you, you, there's there's so many possibilities. Um, so I, I, I like having that anchor. Much like on SmackDown, we have Roman Reigns as the anchor. And they try to feed him as many baby faces as possible to keep things going. Now we got that on Raw, the opposite, with a baby face. That's good business. Very good business, in my opinion. Okay, I'm about to lose my voice. I haven't gotten a ton of rest in a week. Uh, I was up late drinking most the, 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 after the Royal Rumble. I'm tired. <laughs> um, my I can feel my voice slowly slipping away from me, so I'm going to end it here. But once again... Thank you all for following the coverage over the weekend. I hope you all are excited about Charlotte on Add a Character. You'll be able to hear exactly what Sonya said when she barged in on the interview. So you'll see all of that. So make sure you check it out. And also, make sure if you're listening to this podcast that you go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Add a Character every Wednesday. You can find YouTube Shorts. You can find clips from Raw and SmackDown, clips from Out of Character, clips from back in the day. There's a community tab. There's so much on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So make sure you pick up your phone right now and you go subscribe to it or I'm going to have a problem with you. No, I'm just kidding. You're still cool. Don't worry. I promise. We don't got beef. Don't worry. Um, Also, make sure if you're in this podcast feed right now that you're subscribed to it. If you're already subscribed to it, thank you appreciate it but go leave one of those ratings or also leave a review on apple Podcasts that you actually write out helps out a lot makes me happy does a lot so go leave those reviews go leave a rating on spotify hook it up if you enjoyed the show because it does help us move up the charts it helps people get their eyes on this show because they look to see if it sucks and if you say the show doesn't suck well, they'll probably give it a chance. Also, don't forget, follow WWE on Fox on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All right, that's it. I'm done. <sighs> Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another WWE on Fox Raw Roundup.